Life can be tricky, making us ask, what was that? Join host Jan Murray and her guests as they explore the that's of life. Welcome to Life After That. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Life After That. I'm Jan Murray, your host. Today, we're welcoming back Cynthia Snyder. She is going to share part two of her story. Uh, in part one, she went into great detail about her late husband, Billy Snyder's uh, battle with ALS, uh, all the way up to when he passed. She also talked a lot about health care and what people who are in health care need to understand and know about those who are going through the ALS battle. In this part two, Cynthia will talk about how she's rebuilt her life since then and how she has carried forward uh, with a new relationship and a new life, uh, not ever forgetting the great life she had for decades with Billy, but also just showing us that you can recover and move forward. So let's pick up the story with Cynthia Snyder now. And I want to ask you, so when that happened in 2016, so you're about, you're almost seven years out, right? So this yeah. podcast is called Life After That, and that was your ALS time. So how have you continued, Cynthia? What was your process that first year, that second year, and what did it lead to, and where are you now? So... After Billy, I had a I had a pretty good career. I worked for a food distributor that uh, provides food service to at-risk uh, childcare populations, and we specialize in the CACFP government-funded program. And I'm their CACFP specialist. Okay. So um, I continued to work. They were very good to me through the Billy's illness. Gave me the time off that I needed. Um, and I went back to work about three weeks after he died because my boys are both in the military. My youngest son is a doctor in the Army at Walter Reed. My oldest son at the time uh, was uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, he's a JAG attorney. And so they had pretty extensive careers in the military, and they weren't going to be able to come home very often to visit or whatever. And so... Uh, my oldest son's wife got pregnant, my daughter-in-law, with, with our first grandchild, and he was due to be born a couple months after Billy died. Mm -hmm. And they asked me, about three months after Billy died, they asked me if I would be willing to move to Oklahoma and watch Owen so he wouldn't have to go to childcare. And I went into my company after Christmas that year, and I said, look, you know, I, I hate to leave. Um, but I, I think I need to do this. I think I need to be with family right now. I'm, you know, by myself. I, I had friends, but, you know, they had their own lives. You know right. what that's like. Oh, yeah, everyone's like, everyone goes back, everyone goes back to their own life and you are left like alone with, with what am I going to do yeah. alone? So um, my company's like, no, we're not letting you go. We'll put a work away program together for you, which was so lovely of them. And so off I went to Oklahoma. So for uh, the last six years, um, I've lived in Oklahoma. 
Uh, and then my son got stationed in uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia. So I lived in Georgia till 2020, which was four years after Billy died. And when we moved to Williamsburg, Virginia in July of 2020, um, and I, I went, I, I lived in my motor home. That was the best way for me to go. That's what actually made me stump Billy and I's home mm-hmm. uh, was when I decided to go to Oklahoma to watch my grandson. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be moving from apartment to apartment. I'm just going to live in the motor home. So I moved on to a campground in Williamsburg, Virginia, and the campground um, was under construction. And the gentleman that worked for the campground owner who owned uh, campgrounds all over the country who was heading up the construction, um, him and I started to become friends. And uh, we started taking walks at night. I mean, for months, we did this, just walking and talking. And before you knew it, we were like, you know, we really liked each other. We were kind of falling in love. And for four years, I had been telling everyone, I'm never going to get married again. There's never going to be anybody like Billy. I just want to be alone and be a grandmother. But, you know, COVID happened right. in that interim. And and my daughter-in-law got furloughed for a while and didn't have to work. So she was home with my grandson and my new granddaughter, who had been born in that time period. And for about three months, I sat on the campgrounds. My son and daughter-in-law in Maryland, I wasn't allowed to go into Maryland because of COVID. You couldn't go over the state line, all this stuff. So that set of grandchildren I could visit. And... I started getting lonely. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll find a gentleman. You know, no one's going to replace Billy, but maybe I'll find a gentleman to just enjoy, you know, going to dinner, doing things. Because I had gotten to the point where I couldn't even go to a restaurant anymore. Every time I would go out to eat by myself and look at the couples, it it made me miserable. I'm like, I'm not going to spend money out at the restaurant to do this. So when I met Ricky and we got to be friends and we started walking around, I started thinking to myself, gee, maybe it would be nice to share life again with somebody. And, you know, we were real careful. Um, he was only married once before and he um, was married for 30 years before he got divorced and had been on his own for 13 years mm-hmm. before we met. Um and hadn't really dated anyone seriously, seriously. So we were really careful. We even went to counseling uh, for 10 months before we got married. And then in October this past year, it'll be a year this coming October, oh. we got married. And I'm very happy. I'm glad. I'm very happy. It's, it's different. It's different. You know, um, we're not going to raise the family together. Right. Um, you know, we have, we have full all lives that we have lived already mm-hmm. you know we are when you're at, when you're this age there are certain things about yourself you don't want to change and there's certain things you know you're not, not going to change about the other person so it's, it's very different um starting a relationship i'm 61 he's 66 very different you're 60 starting a relationship um you can't expect it to be like well, i lost you there a, a little bit relationship it, it, it's got to end hey. up becoming hey cynthia a relationship I, can you hear me of its 
its own. And so that's the way we looked at it. And uh, we're really happy. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I lost you. Yes, I can uh, hear you. I lost a good bit of what you were saying. Um, the bandwidth, I think, is not stable. I lost a good bit of what you said. You said, okay, you're 61, he's 66. And after that, I'm not sure what you said. You said you were telling us that things are different. You know, you're not living, you're not raising okay. a family together. You both had full lives and that things are different. If you could pick back up at that point maybe somewhere in there telling, you know, you're 61, he's 66 sure. and tell me, because uh, a lot of people are scared to start a chapter two. I'm personally not even interested in a chapter two. <laughs> so I'm perfectly happy Aww. exactly like I am. Uh, scuba, I swear scuba diving has just that. I'm just so happy with it. I love my job. I love what I do. I love scuba diving and I love my grandkids. I'm good. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Well, for me, and I, you know, this is not advice to the people listening, but for me, the way it shaped out is that I had to realize that I couldn't have expectations for a relationship based on my prior experience in my relationship. I had to let my new relationship with Ricky take a life of its own and mm -hmm. a love of its own and let it become something that we made between us. Mm -hmm. And he would even say that to me every once in a while, you know, Cynthia, we need to make this ours, you know, um, but it's hard because, you know, we, many of us have been married for decades to the right. person that we lost, right? you know, and it was really, it was really our true love in our life. So right. you're, when you're happily married and it ends, you know, divorce is different, but when you're happily married and it ends in a death, your tendency is to expect that any relationship after that would be how you felt in the relationship before. And for right. me, I had to realize that that can't ever be right. because no two people are alike and no two relationships are alike. So as rewarding as it is, it was a lot of work for me. It, it was a lot of work, but in hindsight, would I go back to 2020 and make the same decision to be with Ricky and do it again, I most definitely would. I well, feel like good. I'm a better person. Yes. I feel like I'm a better person myself for going through that experience. I feel like it was um, a good example, you know, to my boys and my daughter-in-laws and my grandchildren to see me doing it. Although mm -hmm. if I hadn't have done it, it wouldn't have been a bad example, but it was just another observation that they could make in their younger lives of seeing how I decide to move forward mm -hmm. with my life in a healthy way. And the fact that we went to counseling and the different ways that we did to make sure that it would be solid. And um, we've, we've come a long way. We'll be, to, we'll be together as friends three years in November. And we, we talk about this a lot lately is that if we think back to how it was when we started out to where we are now, it's, it's been an, it's been an amazing journey. It really has for the two of us. And we're, we're both very happy. Uh, we've got all the kinks ironed out. I mean, the little kinks will always be there. We've got all the kinks ironed out, but um, we've been able to start a relationship where 
you know, when you're, when you're married, when you're young, you have a tendency to kind of manage each other in a certain way. Like, okay, don't forget to do this and don't forget. So the way our relationship is pretty much is that we enjoy each other as a couple, but the things that are important to Ricky about who he is and the things that are important to me about who I am, we respect those things. And then what each of us needs from each other, we try and be sensitive and mindful of that. And it's a work in progress and, and we have to do it together like we're on the same team. And that's, that's how it's worked for us. That's pretty awesome. I, I've talked to a couple of others that have remarried or are in relationships that I think have approached it similar to what I'm hearing here. Um, it is very different than it is when you're younger. It's a different kind of love. It's a different kind of companionship. And then I've talked to others who are more like me, who really just aren't interested in another marriage. I can't imagine uh, being married to someone else. I mean, I mean, I suppose that could still change. I'm 61 too, by the way. I don't act it. I try not to look at, and I certainly uh-huh. do. I do a lot of things at 61 years. Most of my friends are trying to retire. And I'm like, I just started a new career. I'm not interested in retiring. Thank you. Um, It's just, I think at working at a university around young people helps me Uh, going scuba diving and being on boats with people of all ages and doing fun, exciting things keeps me young. My grandchildren, I love to be the one that can, uh, my four-year-old one, I like to take him on adventures and I get out there and do whatever he does. I mean, that's just what I want. I'm, I'm literally still very terrified of winding back up into a caregiver role. I don't want to be a caregiver again, literally ever. I, I just don't, I watched my mom, my mom and dad were married 45 years when my dad died and his illnesses really drug my mom down. She remarried a couple of years later and was married to my stepdad over 12 years before he died of cancer. And those last few months with him were rough on her and she said after that and mom never wanted to be alone she had not been alone since she was 17 years old but she was like I can't do it again and I don't know that I could go through it again I know I'm missing out on companionship and that kind of closeness and maybe I wouldn't be poor and have to struggle the way I do being on my own but I'm pretty darn happy the way I am. So something, I don't know, something else would have to change to make me pursue something else, but you're happy. I can see it on your face. So I know you're happy and I'm happy. So I think you can see that on my face. I'm pretty darn happy. Oh yeah. And um, it's almost scary to be happy because for so many, because we were going through that for seven years and for a while there, I was like waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time. Like, you know, there was no way I was ever going to be happy because something always happens, you know? I mean, Bill and I buried four children. I mean, we had our firstborn son died right before our eyes and uh, our triplets died in our arms. And it's like always something. And I finally have figured out that it's not always going to have to be something bad and life it's pretty good. You know, I don't have much. I do what, what I have, but I'm happy. And you've found a way to keep going and you've met someone else that you can be a great companion with. And I think that's wonderful. I think that should be encouraging to those out there who that is something that they want to pursue. And I think you've given great advice too, because I I've heard this from other widows that they're afraid that um, they can't love someone like they did their pals or 
you know, that, and you're, what you're saying is, we know you can't because it's a different person and you're a different age and things are different. And I think you put it in just such, I think you eloquently said, this is how you can actually make this thing work and have another companion. I think that's cool. Thank you. Thanks. So we're about an hour in, so I want us to go ahead and wind down, but I'm going to ask you, is there any last things that you want to make sure that you say, whether it's about Billy or the illness or about you continuing? Is there some parting thoughts you would like to say? Yes. So I think one of the hardest parts for me um, with the grieving process was my husband was my, my person and I could lean on him for all my ups and downs. And, um, you know, I have, I didn't have a biological daughter. So I, I had two sons and two daughter-in-laws who are, were loved to me, but, you know, there was that, there was that, that sense of warm connection that I just didn't have with anybody after Billy died and I'm the kind of person I'm all about relationships and connections so that was very, very difficult for me mm-hmm. and what I needed to do in order to be able to survive is I needed to learn to tell people what I needed but I needed to not expect anything from them and what I mean by that is if they gave me what I needed that felt good it was a bonus Mhm. I think I lost you again. Are you back there? Nope, I lost you again. Okay, I lost you for a second. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I realized you lost me. So I heard you uh say uh, okay that it was a bonus, but repeat what you said leading so, into. Oh, so I needed to look at The things that I needed in the past from my husband, that emotional support and the the warm, fuzzy, hugging, interpersonal connection that I lost, I I needed to not expect to be able to have that with, with the relationships that I had because I felt like I wasn't getting what I needed and I was concentrating on the fact that I was getting what I needed. So I literally had to physically change the way I thought. And uh-huh. I had to say to myself, if I occasionally get that feeling from my sons or from my daughter-in-laws that I'm looking for, I need to just appreciate it. It's a bonus, but I can't be looking for it because mm-hmm. if I continue to look for it, I'm only going to be miserable and crying all the time. And it, it's not going to do me any good. So it took a while for me to be able to master it. But I really got to the point, Jan, where I didn't expect anything from anybody. And, and when I got something from someone that I needed, um, I, it was a bonus and I appreciated it. And part of it might have been my problem, too. I'm a giver and I'm a caretaker by nature and I have trouble verbalizing my needs to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Ricky and I first got together... I made myself a promise and I knew it would be better for him. I was very verbal from day one on what my needs were. You know, we, we met when I was 57 years old and or 58 years old. And by then I really knew myself. 
going through the trauma of losing Billy, I learned a lot about myself. So I was very upfront and like, okay, so I programmed myself to not expect anything from anyone. But now if you and I are going to be a couple and we're going to have a life together, that's not realistic. So these are my needs. You know, is it something that you're comfortable with? Uh, the way I need a relationship to be on from my perspective right and are you going to be able to work on it kind of a thing and so that would be my that would be my things that I would recommend to people is just that you know keep your expectations short with people but in the same time for your important relationship make sure that you're able to let the people know what your needs actually are and be clear about it, especially new relationships that you may be making right. um, going forward, because we're, we're always going to be a little bit more fragile. It's like you said before, you are right now not wanting to be in a relationship. You don't want to have to take care of anyone again mm -hmm. if they get sick. And I understand, I understand that, mm -hmm. um, that wholeheartedly. Know, you verbalize that very well. And, and for those of us that decide to move forward and get into a relationship, I think as, as much as you were able to express those feelings of how you feel about your life to me, we need to be able to express who we are to the people that we're with. So we can grow healthy relationships from the start because we're already vulnerable and we've been through a tragedy and you can't ever take that away. Right. Um, need to think about, you know, building, moving forward um, so that we can survive emotionally. Exactly. I think you said that all so well. Um, so I think we all have to get to a place where we actually understand who we are and we're not tied to that dreaded disease anymore. And for the most part, I've yet to talk to anyone who wouldn't say that they were married to their soulmate, their person. Like you said, Bill Murray was my person. I mean, he was it for me. Um, I didn't know who I was when I first put him in the nursing home and I went back to my home afterwards. I remember sitting there and looking around and thinking, well, crap, I don't even know what, <laughs> who I am or what I'm supposed to do now. Cause I'm like listening for his machines. They weren't there anymore. I was like needing to go do the 15th load of laundry for the day. And I didn't have to anymore. And I was extremely lost. And I spent a lot of time in the couch, uh, burying my head in the pillows, just trying, I didn't even know. And I have always been extremely independent. I moved out at 17, went to college early. I was already in a full-time career job at 20. I mean, I've always been someone who just, takes everything by the bullhorns and goes with it but ALS changed me too I kind of forgot I mean I guess that's how I survived that day-to-day -day care for the first few years is you know I just do what I got to do to get through the day thing you know but when that was gone and I had been immersed in that for so long I didn't know, know what to do or how to think or how to sleep through the night my sleep cycle still not completely right so and then when he passed away, I had already been living where I live now. He's never, he never has been here. And there's literally his, what few things I still have of his are in, are sealed up in Rubbermaid containers in my storage building. 
So there's not, other than a couple of pictures, um, there's not a lot in my current home that would be tied to Bill. At first that made me sad, but now I think it's also why I do so well because I'm not surrounded by reminders all the time. Um, and a lot of people get stuck because they don't get rid of the chair they sat in for years or they have to have the clothes stay yeah. in the closet. And I just don't think that's healthy. I mean, if that helps you, great. But after about a year or two, you need to find a way to move on. And I think I respect people who can't do it, but it worries me for them because their life is wasting away. And I just think that you have to find a way to break that, to break that the weights that are around you because ALS leaves a lot of damage to our psyche, you know, our emotional health, our mental health, and a lot of times our physical health. I mean, there's cows right now. And for those listening who don't know, that's caretakers of persons with ALS. There are cows who are in serious health situations right now who are not old because of the stress they were under while taking care of their husband or their boyfriend or their partner, or whoever it was. And I mean, I've seen post in the widows groups and i've had messages from others we've got fairly young people having you know women having heart attacks and strokes and all kinds of things and you know that the stress of als and everything that came with it had a lot to do with that and i think if i hadn't got it together i would i don't even know if i'd be here but something that inner drive is what helped me so while you're going your way with one way, I think we're also very alike. We just like, we do what we have to do to change ourselves so we can survive and keep going. And that's what I do. I, I, I continually reinvent myself, what I'm doing or what I'm thinking. And if I catch myself sliding down into that black hole, I get up and I leave my house. I make myself get away from it. And I think that's why I've survived. I think that's why I finally found this place of happiness because the first, I say the first probably three years, I was still struggling. I'm like, oh my goodness, where did people go? And what am, I don't want to even live as long as my mom did because I can't imagine living that long and being this lonely and this sad. And, you know, and it was actually remembering something my mom told me. My mom passed away this past Christmas. There's something she told me she said, after my stepdad died, uh -huh. she said, she decided, I told her, I said, mom, how do you keep going? Cause you buried dad and now you buried your bill and yet you're still doing, she says, well, I'm not ready to die. And I knew if I wanted to have a life, I had to go get it. Cause life wasn't going to come to me. And that started clicking in my brain and, and Bill would have wanted me to continue to, he wouldn't have sat. I don't think he would have sat around and been sad. I think he would have continued going if it had been me on the other side. And it just started working on me. I, I was doing better, got, you know, got a new career, went back to college, all this kind of stuff. But when mom passed away in this past Christmas, that switch fully flipped at that point. I mean, fully flipped. It was like, okay, you're 60, fix it to be 61. Listen to what mama said. Remember that Bill told you to keep on keeping on and be happy. You know, mom said you have to do this. And I mean, literally, when mother passed away, the switch completely flipped and I stopped putting things off. I went and got certified as scuba diver. You know, I went on a couple of trips and that I really couldn't afford, but I found a way and I just started living. And I, I literally, and I'm, I like, don't tempt fate. 
I used to be afraid to even admit if I was happy because I've had so much tragedy in the past that I just like scared to admit it. But yeah, I'm happier now that I've probably been in 20 years. There you go. <laughs> I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> and I had a great, I had a great marriage. I had a great 34 years with my husband and uh, we had some difficult times. And like I had said earlier, you know, we buried babies and, oh my goodness, we, we had a lot of tragedy, a lot of tragedy, but we, we were, we were one of the couples you mentioned earlier where it bonded us. It didn't push us apart. It bonded us. And so those were great years, but the happiness I have now is completely different kind of happiness. And I thank God for it every day. Are you still there? Yes, I feel the same way too. And, and speaking of, of, yes, can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. Yes. Um, yeah. And speaking of God, that I do definitely want to say that, you know, faith has been a big thing for me. Yeah. Um, I've been one of those fortunate people. Uh, I, I was raised um, in a Catholic, in a Christmas and Easter Catholic family where we didn't go to church every week. But from the time I was a very young child, I just had a relationship with God. I talked to him all the time. My mother thought I was, I had an imaginary friend, but it, it wasn't. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and that relationship, that, that faith that I've had has just grown, you know, through every tragedy and every good thing that's happened in my life. And it always seems like I have everything I need, um, even when things are really bad. And everything does turn around, doesn't it, Jan? It absolutely I mean, we, does. we do survive. So. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a lot of questions so. for God. I do have a lot of questions for him. Uh, but I love God. I trust him. And when I look back, you know, 2020 vision, when you look back, and even if you've gone through tragedy, but you can also see, at least those of us who have the faith can see where his hand was really actually there. Um, yeah, I have questions why certain things have happened because I think my husband was probably one of the best people on the face of the earth. And I'm like, why and why did he have to go through this? You know, why did I have to bury four children? You know, that all of these whys. And I think uh, he's, yeah. I think he's perfectly okay for me to have those whys. But I also uh -huh. can look back and I see the blessings and I see how things could have gone another direction and maybe been worse. Um, but I have no explanation. Of, I know I've worked hard and I've tried hard to get things where they are, but I really do give God credit for the blessings I have now. And can't nobody change my mind about that. <laughs> Aw, <laughs> that's great. Well, I think, Cynthia, we will go ahead and wind this show up. Um, I sure appreciate you coming on and sharing um, some of your story with Billy and the time you all went through. And also with the wonderful story, too, of how you've carried on. And uh, I think that's just absolutely fabulous. And I just really appreciate you coming on the show and talking and sharing all that with us. Well, thank you. Thank you, Shannon. I I'm honored that you asked me. So thank you again. Well, thank you.